We received this question from one of our awesome listeners and viewers. Thank you so much in advance for submitting that question to us. Uh, Here it is. My husband had an affair about two and a half years ago. I have forgiven him and both of us have made much needed changes. Mm. Our marriage is a lot better now, but my husband's guilt and shame is driving him away from the church. He feels great guilt and regret when attending. I don't think he believes God will forgive him. I need a Christ-centered marriage. I've been praying, but how can I help my husband further? Mm. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a deep, complicated question. We just actually last week, the, the previous marriage episode on the channel or the, in the, the previous episode in the Fierce Marriage podcast, we talked about the anatomy of an affair. Mm-hmm. So this question just came in. I think it's um, quite providential. We can start talking through, okay, say you've been a part of one of these, uh, part, part of an affair, whether it's yeah. physical or emotional. There's probably going to be a lot of shame around it on both sides of the equation. So yeah. today we're going to address this idea of shame and regret and guilt, particularly around marriage and infidelity. So we'll see you on the other side. Hello and welcome back. My name is Ryan. This is my lovely wife, Selena. We are the founders, faces, voices behind all things fierce marriage, fierce parenting, mm-hmm. fierce families. Um, thank you for joining us. The whole reason we do these videos, the reason we do these podcast episodes is to just bless the body of Christ, right? We, we are wanting to point you to Christ. And so we thank you for uh, spending some time with us, giving us your ears, your eyes, your attention. We hope that it's fruitful. We trust that it will be. And let's just dive right into this, okay? okay. Um, we're answering this question that I read before uh, we did the intro. And just to be honest, it's a little risky, I think, to take on a question yeah. of this magnitude. And it, it's actually, I think it's really hard. It's difficult to serve this couple well because we're not walking alongside you. Um, whoever you are, you ask this question anonymously. We want to honor that. But we don't know your situation. Mm-hmm. We don't even know, frankly, what you mean by uh, the, the various words that you're using because we don't have the exact context. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the big caveat here. Um, but our hope is that by addressing it kind of directly but generally Mm -hmm. that we can uh, provide some hope yeah and i think the most important thing that you can do if you find yourself in this position is to get people who are in your world get a pastor uh get a person in your christian community Mm -hmm. to come alongside you and your spouse and help you walk through this face to face this is not something that you're going to get um help entirely on a YouTube channel or a a podcast episode, right? We're here to encourage. We're here to kind of maybe slice through some stuff and define a few things uh, biblically, but we really would point you to your local pastor, Um, to your, um, your shepherd. So, yeah. So with that said, the, the theme, the overall core of this question, okay, to, to re, I guess to restate it is her husband had an affair Mm -hmm. two and a half years ago. So there's been some time she has forgiven him and they've made steps forward. Now that's an amazing yes. thing to be able to say. First, first of all, off, yeah. Is that he's obviously he's come to you. You forgiving him implies that he's asked for forgiveness. Right. Maybe not. I mean, it could be that he hasn't quite directly asked for it. Maybe he's, we don't know, but he, he forgiven him and you're making much needed changes. But at the core of this, it says that he's feeling guilt mm-hmm. and shame and uh, a great regret that's keeping him from, joining the church mm-hmm. or go, going to church or being participating in the life of the church. So let's just talk about that. I think that's enough to chew on for one episode is what is this idea of shame and what place, if any, mm. maybe just answer this off, off the cuff, Selena. I want to hear your, your, your <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. What place, if any, does shame or guilt or regret have in the life of a believer? I think that it 
holds the place of shoving us back to our Savior, right? That's that's probably mm-hmm. the only place that it should have because in Genesis 3, when, when Adam and Eve fell, uh, what was the first thing that they felt, right? They felt shame. Yeah. They felt this nakedness and they felt something they they hid from God's presence all of a sudden this this God mm-hmm. who they were familiar with who they communed with who they loved and had engaged with was all of a sudden someone they didn't want to be around why because they felt shame mm-hmm. and so to me shame just shows how great and sovereign and good our God is because he can even take yeah. things like shame to bring us back to who he is, bring us back to the cross, bring us back to the the good news of the gospel so and his good. grace. That's so good. And we live in a time when we get, we have the advantage, and I think we take it for granted, we have the advantage of living on this side yeah. of the resurrection. Adam and Eve didn't even have the law. Mm-mm. They had the law of God written on their hearts. And they did, have, they did have the law where God said, do not eat of the tree, mm-hmm. the knowledge of good and evil. That was the law to them. Um, but... And so shame, I think, feel like has, it had a lot more of a role to play back in those days, and that right. we were, in a sense, uh, it was it was an indictment on ourselves. Yes. Right. And there's this natural law that Adam and Adam and Eve saw they had transgressed because they had disobeyed the Lord, and and in the same way we still transgress the law, we disobey the law, but we're on this side of it where we don't actually have to have shame. Now, does that mean that we can commit sin brazenly? Not at all. Mm-mm. That's, that Paul talks directly against that. I think it's in Romans uh, 7 or 8 or 6, one, one of those in there. <laughs> and no, no, we don't sin all the more because of the grace. No, right. we, we, the grace of God compels us to love him well through that. So that's the kind of, here's a, here's a dictionary definition of shame, okay? Not the Bibles, but just dictionary definition of shame. Here, here, shame, here it goes. A painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Hmm. Have you ever felt shame? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think we've all felt it. When? Um, when I do think bad <laughs> things or when I sin. <laughs> when I do things that are wrong, I feel ashamed, right? Or if I say things that are hurtful or I act in a way that is yeah. not glorifying to God. Yeah, I think I probably felt the most shame when I, uh, in high school, or actually it was, it was in college, or no, it wasn't college. I got to go backwards. It was in, it was in junior high. Me and some buddies uh, got into one of their dad's <laughs> beer stash. Oh my! <laughs> we were what, underage. Very uh, underage, if junior high. I think it's limited by the statute of limitations <laughs> okay. at this point. <laughs> but yeah, we went out and we we snuck down the so driveway, rebellious. and we had like we had like all the things we wanted to do wrong. Like we had chewing tobacco, we had <laughs> cigarettes, we had straight out of what's that movie? <laughs> There's like old movies that they. Oh, we were yeah, oh, Sandlot. <laughs> 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 anyway, I felt so much shame the next morning that I just had to tell my mom. I was mm-hmm. like, I, I felt this this deep humiliation and distress caused by me being conscious of this wrong behavior, right? And that's the dictionary definition. But biblically speaking, what is shame, All right? Well, and shame versus conviction, right? That's a, So we haven't really got, <laughs> I didn't get into that as I was preparing, but yeah, I feel like con, the difference between shame and conviction is one will lead to repentance and another will lead to hiding right right good job i knew i knew you had it in yeah okay good and we'll <laughs> talk about that thinking. here <laughs> so to be honest okay so biblically speaking what is shame and uh it's a directly res- it's a direct result of sin mm-hmm. mentioned selena mentioned adam and eve um they ran and hid as soon as they had sinned they could feel the weight of it mm-hmm. they could feel the full weight of it um and that's the reminder of what you said how it kind of pushes us back 
to our need for a savior. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrote this, the weight of our sin should crush us. If it doesn't crush us, we either don't see it or we don't see the holy God who forbids it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what that does, that, that weight of it, and we're going to get to the hope. So don't, don't check out quite yet. That weight of our sin has, it should bear, it squeezes out of us something. Mm-hmm. It'll squeeze out of us the, a self-righteousness that says, I either need to pay, you know, pay the, somehow uh, make up for this sin. I need to, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, I need to atone for it. Right. Right. Um, and that, that there's all the, you know, Catholic kind of early theologies around that um, through, uh, I won't get into it. Um, but then there, or it can, cr- it can crush out of me and squeeze out of me a, a groaning for help. Yeah. And that's the part that makes much of the, our need for a savior. Yes. And then the greater our need for the savior, the greater the savior himself. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, it's a direct result of our sin. And frankly, to this couple who's written this, and if you're in a similar situation, I'd be more worried if you didn't feel. Absolutely. I mean, if we aren't feeling any sin. shame or yeah. any weight from our sin, then where's our, right. where are we grounded? What are we grounded in? Where's our anchor? Right. I mean, do we even have a moral anchor at that point? Because, right. and right, when we're in sin, sometimes it's hard to see up from down, right from wrong, right? Because we're just yeah. negotiating everything. But again, the shame aspect of sin should bring us back to our Savior, should make us run to our Father, right? And remembering who our Father is. Well, and that's what happens when, whenever uh, God would... Um, Kind of leave p- people to their own. They would almost always be turned over to sin in a way that they were their consciences were seared. We see that in Romans one that they were suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. That it was given their over. unrighteousness they were given over to, to the darkness. Yeah, they, yeah, they were handed over to the darkness, and they they, they got to, they got everything they ever wanted. Mm. They wanted to be free of God, and there they were, free of God, mm. and it and it led to their their tragic demise. So to feel the weight of it. I think there's an encouragement there to, to know that the Father disciplines those He loves, yeah. that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you, convicting you of that sin, that you're yeah. not sinning freely as a as a beast would go around, just you know, devouring whatever that beast would would have an appetite for, mm-hmm. right? As somebody who's convicted of their sin, that's that's a reminder that you have a God who has who has written His law on your heart, yeah. and He is drawing you back, pulling you back to Him, right? Making that sin unpalatable to you, so. There's an encouragement aspect there, but if we sit in it for too long, yeah, I think it can start to that script begins to flip and it begins to turn us into uh, turn turn us into Gollum a little bit. We start to hold on to this whatever it is this need for us to feel justified um, in our own on our own merit hmm. in that yeah. sin. It will turn us into the monsters uh, that that only shame can turn us into. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's just go down this line. I have a whole list of things of biblically speaking. What is shame? The next one is, uh, it's a lie from the enemy. Okay, um, this is this <laughs> is such, such a trick of the enemy it to get you to sin trick, and then to yeah. rub your your nose in it and right. rub your face in it. And I wrote this. It says, if if the enemy can't get you to fail from sin again, he'll shame you for to when fall you did. To sin. Oh, excuse me. If he can't get you to fall to sin again, there it is. He'll shame you for when you did. It's so true. It's so true. And which is. Why, when Romans 12, Paul talks about the renewing of our mind, mm. because if we're constantly replaying this scenario in our head of when we sinned and how it hurt our spouse and how f- frustrated they were and how could they ever trust me again or how could I ever trust them again and mm. all of those, that type of you know vocabulary just continues and continues, what is it perpetuating? It's just perpetuating sin and brokenness, but Paul is saying like, 
even in Galatians, mm. what is it? Think about things that are pure, that are true, that are good, that are worthy, right? And these are, what are those things? And by th- starting out thinking about them, I think that begins to empower us to actually act on them as well. But we have yeah. to first replace those lies with the truth. Yeah, and I think that was Philippians, by the way. Philippians. Uh, I think. <laughs> I but like all those. It's close enough. Ian's. Galatians, Ephesians, flipping <laughs> two books away. You're good. Um, so yeah, it's a lie from the enemy. Shame is a lie from the enemy. And this is Jesus talking about the devil, the enemy. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, mm. not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And we often gloss over that. There's no truth in him. Crazy. No truth. No truth. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue or his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. John eight forty four. That's John eight forty four. Wow. That's Jesus talking about the enemy. Um, on Got Questions, you know, we love that site. They had this quote, and I just want to read it verbatim because it was so good. Um, it's, again, talking about the nature of the enemy, Satan, being a, a liar. And the author of that article said this, The Apostle Paul tells us that Satan, quote, masquerades as an angel of light. Okay, Masquerades. If you've ever been, have you ever been to a masquerade? I've never been to one. No, I know the not song. in the vision that I would think a masquerade should <laughs> but be. But they wear a mask. The they wear a mask, and I think there's there's an insidious nature to wearing the masks because I think they're able to do things <laughs> that they wouldn't do without the mask on. <laughs> but anyway, that's oh, how that's a different. Yes. Yeah. He, so here's the quote again: The Apostle Paul tells us that the, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's Second Corinthians eleven, so that what he says and does sounds good, and it seems reasonable mm-hmm. to us, but it is nothing more than a false appearance. So good. So, so it good. sounds good to us. Right. It seems reasonable that I should feel shame. Yeah. It sounds good that I feel shame because it almost makes me feel like a little bit better about the shame because I'm holding on to because I, I ha, I'm not letting myself heal. I keep picking at this scab. When 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 God has said I I'm going to heal that. Mm. But you keep picking it. You keep mm. opening it up. Okay, so let's go on to this next piece. So, so shame. What is shame? Biblically speaking, it's a direct result of sin. Mm-hmm. Got that? It's a lie from the enemy, especially if we are in only if we are in Christ. Right. It's not a lie from the enemy if you're outside of Christ. Like you need to turn from your sin. But in Christ, it's a lie from the enemy because the enemy is a liar. And I think our shame. Now, hear me out. This is going to give you some strong words. Our shame is when we are in Christ and we refuse to acknowledge the forgiveness for the fullness that it is. We are calling God a liar. Mm. It is as if to say, Jesus, I know you said you died for my sin, but this one is outside your ability to forgive. Mm. Meaning, you're God, but not quite. Not quite. You save all, but not me. Why? Because I'm I'm outside your scope, right? When I read the verse, I think it's Psalm 112 or around there, uh, as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed my transgressions yeah. from me, or he's removed our transgressions from us. But not this one. <laughs> You're, you're a liar, God. And it sounds, it's, I put it in those terms because that's what we're actually saying. We just would never say it in those terms. Yeah. Um, so I want to read this passage. This is from First uh, John chapter 5. And this is in contrast to, if you remember, we talk about First John a lot because of the transparency, but he says in First John, the first chapter, yeah. he says, if you say you're without sin, you are a liar and truth is not in you. Okay. And now here's first, here's John again in four chapters later talking about our propensity to lie. And this mm-hmm. is a different way that we, we lie. So why don't you read this? Story? If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. 
And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. You heard what he's doing there. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony himself. Mm-hmm. Whoever does not believe has made God a liar and has not believed the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And then this is the gospel. He gives it to us. And the testimony is this, that right. God gave us eternal life, hmm. and the life is in Christ. Uh, and so if you say to God, I, I can't go and be among your people. I can't go to church. I can't. Now, there's, Which, a, there's yeah. a dynamic there. If the yeah. church is not a healthy church, they might be they the don't type know of how church to, that yeah. is legalistic and makes you feel like a pariah because you once sinned, even though they are all in the exact same boat as you. <laughs> Sinners in the, need of yes. grace. There's a lot to be said, I think, for how a church handles sin. So on this side of sin, feeling that, that shame, we, we, we refuse to believe that testimony mm. that salvation is in Christ, then we are effectively calling God a liar. And this mm. is our encouragement to you to not do that, <laughs> to take him at his word and let God be God yeah. and just sit and bask in the grace that he's given you. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in just a second. Uh, the next thing that biblically speaking shame is, is it's, this plays into the one, the calling God a liar yeah. piece, but it's making more of myself than I make of God. Right. Um, it can could it be deemed a bit of navel gazing depending on how long and I don't want to minimize people's shame right you don't want to mm-hmm. minimize the hurt and the pain but we also want to question you know how long how long do we sit in this how long do we allow it to keep us from I mean what is the verse is it in Mark like do not forsake the gathering it's in Hebrews. Hebrews. <laughs> okay. It's in the Bible. Uh, but it says, do not forsake the gathering. And wh- when, are there any caveats to not forsaking the gathering? And no, it's like th- we have to be right. gathering as the people of God. And I'm speaking to this particular um, submission where they're saying it's he's not going to church and it's hard for him to go to church because he feels a lot of shame and regret and guilt. But again, we are called to not mm. forsake the gathering. So what does that mean? Even when I'm in sin, the gathering should be the pla- one of the places, the primary places that I do go and find right. gospel perspective, grace, um, help and love from other believers that yeah. say, not say it's okay, but saying God is still at work. God is with you. God has forgiven you, just like God has forgiven me, right? So Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's something at play there that says I, I you believe the word of God enough to say that this is a bad thing that I've done, but do you believe it enough to actually step out what it means to be saved? Mm. To step to walk out, I should say what it means to be saved. Or do you is it a truncated yeah. gospel? Goodness, and that's what yeah. it sounds like. Um, so uh, it's kind of this making more of myself than I make of God is I, I get to say in other words you're saying I get to say to God what he's forgiven and what he hasn't. Mm. And that's just, it's just foolishness, friend. Well, it's an authority order. Yeah. And that, and, and so on the church too. note, it's, there's, there's also, we're assuming a complete genuineness to this right. husband's, uh, what he's saying. You know, it could be, and I'm not saying that this is their case, but it could be that it's a convenient excuse to use to not engage in the life of a church. Mm-hmm. It could be, because who are you to say how I feel at this moment? Right. It also could be an unhealthy church that doesn't deal with sin healthy too. in a healthy way. It could be that too. And by healthy, we mean biblical. Like, what, how do they deal with yeah, sin? You don't, from you don't excuse the sin, and you, you address it head on, and right. then you, you, you encourage, uh, well, growth from it, yeah. right? Sanctification, that's part of the Christian life. Not to be saved, but as a result of being saved. Um, okay, we've got two more of these. Uh, another reason, or biblically speaking, shame is um, it could be, 
Okay, the result of being ignorant of what God said about sin, grace, and shame. Maybe this is all news to you. Mm. Maybe you don't know. Like, yeah, but we have a forgiving God. Maybe you just think that that Bible, the Bible ended at Exodus twenty with the Ten Commandments, <laughs> and that's it. Right? Do we understand the the weight of sin and the beauty and depth and goodness of grace uh, in and the it, midst of our shame? Yeah, right? it could like, be that He just doesn't have a full understanding of what grace is, yeah. and He's been raised to be a moralist and not a Christian. Right. And so we're not called to be moralists. There are morals involved yeah. with being a Christian, but we are not saved or, or rescued through our moralism, well, but what, through What Christ. a beautiful opportunity to experience God's grace, right? It's only mm. God who can take yeah. the brokenness of a situation, of an affair, an infidelity, and bring it back around to healing, to his grace, to his goodness, to a marriage that is united once again and getting better. Right. Um of course, the enemy's going to want to pick at that. Of course, he's going to. Yeah. There's going to be a target there. But what a beautiful opportunity to encounter God's grace mm. in a new way. I love it. Finally, the, the biblically speaking, shame is tragically ironic. And what here's what I mean by that: at its core, shame because of a sin you've repented of is in itself a sin in need of repentance. In other words, <laughs> if you look Christ in the face and He says to you, "I've forgiven all your sins," and you look you look Him back in the face and you say, "No, you haven't." Hmm. You need to repent of that, and that's where we can echo. Uh, that's where we can echo this. Uh, you know, the 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 father who had yeah. a son who was um, f- possessed by an unclean spirit, and he says, "I believe. Help me believe. Help yes. me in my unbelief." Yes. Right. Yes. So we can look Christ in the face and say, "Okay, help I love me. You. Yes, help me, help I, me walk I, out I, this new reality. Yes, after my sin, dealing with the shame and the guilt." Once again, Lord, I lay it at your feet, mm. right? Once again, right. I mean, I feel like that should be the prayer of every believer every day of, God, I've sinned again. Like, I lay it at your feet. Thank you that you're my loving Father and mm. I can come to you in this and I give these things to you and you've already forgiven me and you've already given me ways uh, to live out to live out of the glory right. that you've, you've bestowed on us through Christ. Like, we are just yeah. so unworthy. Yeah, and so covered. oftentimes when I say it's tragically ironic to be ashamed, is that it, it's doubt clothed as piety, mm. uh, because I'm 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 not I have to stew in this more to be validated in it. So uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. But I, so where do you go from here, right? If you feel shame and you're wondering, okay, I hear what you're saying, but I still feel it. Um, so here's our encouragement to you: Where do you go? And here it's gonna sound funny. Hide, run, mm. and hide. And here's what I mean by that. It's not the way Adam and Eve hid, okay? So everyone who sins hides. That's a given. That's in Scripture. We've experienced that in our own lives. The question is, where are you going to hide? In the garden, Adam and Eve hid in the trees in their shame. Mm. But you and I, friend, Selena, listener, viewer, when we, sh- when we feel ashamed, when we sin, we run and hide as well, but we, we hide behind another tree. We hide behind the tree of the cross mm-hmm. of Christ, right? On Sinai, mm-hmm. in order to survive the glory of God, Moses hid in the cleft of of the rock as the presence of God passed mm. next to him. Us, we must hide in the rock of ages who was cleft for us, who was cracked, who was broken, so that we might too be shielded from the holy presence of our perfect eternal God. Mm. Right? So yeah. not, it's not a question of where to hide. It's or, excuse me. It's not a question of if to hide. It's yes, hide. Just don't try to hide somewhere dumb. Dark, well, don't hide in the <laughs> darkness of your own sin, right? Yes. And your own shame, but hide, hide in, in Christ. Christ. Be hidden be in, found Christ. in be Christ. Be found in Christ. I just can't resist. I have to share this. There's a, I have a fellow seminarian. Her name is Joy Wu. 
Um, she wrote this article. It says this, In Exodus 33, God said to Moses, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. This is again when he's on Sinai and mm-hmm. the presence of God is passing. So he says, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Again, God talking to Moses, saying, I will cover you with my hand. And then when I, when Gosh, I pass by... The face of God <laughs> in heaven. like One day. Goodness. One day. So this is the article continuing. This is Joy writing. The Lord makes provision for Moses to protect him from the death that comes from beholding his glory as one who is not worthy. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what shame does. Shame shows us that we're not worthy. It reminds us that we're not okay. worthy. And she goes on. The Lord, not Moses, makes this provision. He promises that he will hide Moses in the cleft of the rock when he passes by. This language echoes back to the Passover when the people were covered mm-hmm. by the lamb's blood while those uncovered were subject to the judgment. And she writes this, I know that the Passover symbolism gestured toward Jesus, but do I recognize Christ when I see him in Exodus 33 as well? Mm. And the answer here is yes, we should see that. She continues on, and this is just how it will be on the final day. I have believed in Jesus, so this is to you, husband, wife, the, the couple who wrote in with this question. This is for you, okay, hear these words. This is how it will be on that first day, on that final day, excuse me. I have believed in Jesus and I am in him. All of those metaphors throughout the Bible about Christ as a rock mm-hmm. and a cornerstone are not just literary devices. Mm-mm. They are gestures, gestures, uh, gestures toward moments like this when Moses was hidden in the rock or when the Israelites' thirst was quenched by the rock that gushed streams of water. We see later in the New Testament that the rock had been Christ all along. Mm. I want to read this last part real quick. Moses was hidden behind an inferior rock on the earth in Exodus 33, but we will be hidden in Christ himself because God's face was turned away from Jesus on the cross. It will be turned in love toward me on that day in spite of the greatness of my sin. Mm. You hear that? In spite spite of the greatness of my sin. No, my eyes will never comprehend the fullness of glory in his face even then, but I shall behold it and live because I'll be in the cleft and the rock will be Christ. Amen. 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 So shame is not your lot, friend. Mm -mm. Shame is not your lot. Turn from it. Repent of it, ironically. Repent of it and turn to Christ and just sit in his grace and and enjoy it and let it wash over you. Uh, We can remember Paul's words here. We'll end with this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. That means you didn't have to do good things because you were slave to sin. But when, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its mm-hmm. end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you can walk with your head held high, not because of what you've done, clearly, but because of what Christ has done. You can walk through the doors of that church, not because of how they accept you or because you've got certain a certain level of p- piety and moralism that you've achieved. No, you can walk through the doors of that church because God invited you there and he wants you there and that's where you belong, friend. So hopefully that's encouraging to you. If if you have somebody in your life that you've experienced shame with or that they, they have shame and they're trying to walk, walk through that, please yeah. point them to this episode, point, point them to this truth, excuse me. Um, and you can also point them to this website, thenewsisgood.com. It, out, it outlines the entire gospel um, and gives you some tangible paths forward from there. So well, with that said, Selene, you want to pray for us? Sure. God, thank you so much that you are our king. You are our re- 
redemptive Savior, thank you for your word that brings us back to you. Thank you for the shame that we can experience only again to be brought back to you. God, that may we not hold on to it. May we, Mm -hmm. uh, again, come back to you and lay all the lies and all the guilt and all the shame at the foot of the cross, Lord. And may we run into your arms when we feel insecure or lacking. May we just live Mm -hmm. in your presence and knowing who we are because of you and who we are in you. Uh, May the thoughts and words of others not affect us. Um, in a way that they shouldn't. May we just continue to stand firm and to hold firm to your word Mm -hmm. and to our identity in you, God. Thank you for this couple that wrote in and that shared and that was transparent. I pray that many other couples would be encouraged um, Mm -hmm. in this episode. In your name, amen. All right. As a reminder, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Fierce Marriage Podcast on iTunes or whatever, please do that. Mm-hmm. If you're watching this, please do hit that subscribe button as well. Leave a comment, leave a rating, or leave a review, whatever you can do. All that stuff helps to make sure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Finally, if you want to support this ministry, we rely on our awesome patrons. You mm-hmm. can do that by going to fiercemarriage.com slash partner. There are some goodies there, freebies, books, rings, more stuff coming in the future, in <laughs> fact. But don't do it for that. Do it because God is leading you there. We would love to have you in there. So anyway, with that said, this episode of Fierce Marriages, we'll see you again in seven days. Until next time. Stay fierce.